Hey fellow nerds, welcome to Research Hole, a podcast where I talk to artists about the research holes we fall down on the way to our projects. I'm Val Howlett, and this is the final episode of season one. It went by so fast, I can't believe it. Um, Caveat to what I just said, though, I think I mentioned in the last episode that I did with Carmen that if I get 10 reviews on like iTunes, Apple Podcasts before the end of the month, then I will do a bonus episode. Um, So this may not be the final episode if you want to give me a review. And if that doesn't happen, that's cool. Either way, I'll see you again in September with season two. This is, this episode is a little different than one we're doing today, and that's because our guest is someone you've heard before, you've heard me reading his words on every episode this season. That's right, it's my dad, Frank Howlett. Welcome, Dad. Valerie. (laughs) It's a very Uh, hot, humid day today, here too, you know. I'm in Connecticut, you're in Philly. Very, yeah, and you already did yoga outside. We did an outside. This lady has a weekly yoga on Sundays. It's like a walking yoga uh, through the Arboretum in Stanford, which is beautiful. You know, all kinds of flowers and herb gardens and everything and woods and trails. And uh, it's a lot of fun. It's really nice. Uh, um. I have you here because obviously you've done all the stuff I learned this week's, this season. I, well, I have so many questions for you. You were the natural person for me. Like I thought about you immediately when I was like, how am I going to do these facts? Because you're the trivia guy in our house. I guess I am. Yeah. I'm not the smart. I'm not the trivia answer guy. But I enjoy trivia the most. I mean, you know, your siblings are way smarter than me. And, and you know, I fail at Jeopardy every day, you know. But, yes, but, uh, I am the trivia guy. Well, and you're the trivia guy because you create the questions. Yes, I'm good at that. So, very often, like, for Easter or I think you've done it for, like, Thanksgiving and Christmas. Maybe not Christmas, but definitely Thanksgiving on various days like dad will pass out a quiz and it'll just be a trivia quiz and he'll read the answers out loud yeah it's it's especially fun when it's a family um you know holiday dinner which can be painful sometimes for people to come so yeah it's i think it uh it's it is a lot of fun especially when we have guests right when like on i think most of those there were so you know, like Natalie would bring her friends or you bought somebody or Joey bought somebody. So that makes it, I think, more fun. Yeah. And then, you know, I do things like put your baby pictures in a question. You love a baby picture. Yeah. So I'm the natural for coming up with <laughs> stupid facts for your podcast. It's perfect. But also, I think like, I think the other reason I thought of you is because like, I think maybe you were my model for just learning new stuff all the time. Like, I don't know. I think you, you naturally enjoy research, even though it's not necessarily tied to a project. You just like enjoy learning new stuff. Like I know when I was a teenager, 
like you you discovered Radiohead like for me <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's right I, what a great I remember group. you being like Val listen to this listen to this and it was how to disappear completely it must um, have must have been a real down time in your life for you to actually listen to something that I sent you well I I was like dad okay like I I didn't pay attention and then I got radio I got into Radiohead on, on my own like a year or two later and I was like oh yeah that's what dad showed me that one time yeah and obviously I wasn't the one who discovered them I was snooping around as we all do and people were raving about this weird new group and um I thought they were great you know even an old guy like me and uh yeah so so stuff like that happens plus Valerie I mean I was the one you're in, into books now, and I was the one that used to drag you to the library when you were growing up and the other kids. The library is my it's thing. true. Yeah, the library is your thing. We will, and and you still go to the library, like, pretty I regularly. I love the library, yes. Did Great. you go during the pandemic? Um, yes, the, you know, and I think most of the towns were like this. You could order books on hold and they would give you to appear with your mask and they would uh, give them to you. You couldn't go into the library because they pretty much closed the libraries. But as they were, you know, as the time went on, they had this whole books on hold thing. All of the local libraries here in Connecticut did that. So I would do that and it was, it was really good. I mean, you know, it wasn't better than going into the library and browsing, of course, but it, it was a really nice service. Yeah, you know, I, I still... Like, I, you, you know how I am. I'm pedantic. I bug people about things I love. And I, I have friends, and I, I, when I see them going to Amazon and get a book, I said, did you try the library? You know, what are you, <laughs> what are you doing? It's free. It is free. And it's it is fun. free. And it's, it's a, an institution for our, you know, I guess all the countries have it, but it's just so great. Dude, I was just asking Marnie, I was like, I was like, what is your um, listening, like audiobook listening platform? I was like, do you do Libro FM, which is what I do, which is sort of like a, an indie bookstore alternative to Amazon. Oh. And Marnie was like, no. And I was like, oh, so you do Audible? And Marnie was like, no, I just, I belong to the library website and you can get most audiobooks off Libby for free. Right. And there's Hoopla, and I don't know if that's also for you guys, but that's what I will use too. Now you have the online library with my Kindle. So I don't like Audible books. I like to actually turn the page and stuff, even with the Kindle. I mean, I'm looking at something. You know, one other thing I wanted to, to mention to you, Val, when you're saying, you know, I was a logical choice for getting you uh, facts for your podcast. Don't forget, I was a researcher for your book that you've been doing, right? Originally, you hired me. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. I do. To do some research, which I I was thrilled to do. So you gave me a couple of things to look for. Historical, turn of the century, Philly, schools, or I, I don't know. I forget what, what, you know, so I would send you. I found a couple of things in an online Philly library, I think, that I sent to you. And uh, so I, it, that just came to me as you were talking. I was saying, oh, what about that? I forgot I was doing that. Yeah, you were. And it was because, like, I was talking to you, I think, about how researching was, it sucks you in 
and I didn't have time to write much time to write to begin with. I still don't. Right. Um, and then there was like the part where you have to do the research and I was like, it's too much. It's like overwhelming. And you were like, Oh, let me do it. I want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) So you use my childhood bedroom as like a reading room slash office, right? Or you did. I did, past. yes. It's one of my four offices, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Dad has four kids, so. <laughs> four um, rooms, four desks, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think you used my office or my room as an office for a long time because I remember, like, coming home from college when I was coming to your place more often and just finding printouts everywhere. Like, you... <laughs> You were one for like printing out stuff about like a random thing, like a weather phenomenon or like, I don't know, just some, some. You know, that's very interesting. And there is another thing, maybe a benefit of COVID. When you're at the office, which I was, and at the office, you're not working the whole time. You're, you know, messing around, right? Doing, having some fun research on the company time. But I would use the printer at the office to print off things that I want to read later on. You know, that went away um, once we went to home working from home. You know, we have a printer, but I can't abuse it. It's used. It's it's not like the printer at work where you could print off lots of stuff, grab it, bring it home like a newspaper. And, oh yeah, I know. So, when I worked at Bloomsbury, um, and I had Shakespeare Thursdays. I would print out full Shakespeare scripts, <laughs> like like full plays, like six sure. versions of them that we people would share, and you know it was a not was to mention the printer. the color printer. We had a beautiful color printer at work, so I would print out, you know, for my beer labels. I would abuse the the company printer with oh uh, that, that came from the company printer. <laughs> oh sure, there has to be a lot less paper being used since COVID. I would think, you know, just that's another, a very good point. You remember one of my um, boring facts for you was polyglots, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And a polyglot is a person who can speak fluently. I think the the definition is more than four languages, or maybe it's four languages or more, can speak fluently. So I, of course, am a struggling forever Spanish uh, student. I'm trying to learn how to speak Spanish. I teach ESL to people, and I've... You know, I meet a lot of people that speak Spanish and uh, I've, I've always wanted to become fluent in Spanish. So once I, st- I stumbled on that, doing some Spanish research, you know, trying to find well, how are people learning how to speak a language, you know, and that whole polyglot thing opened up a lot of good ideas. But it also led me to a lot of different, maybe wasted time on looking at different Spanish websites, learn Spanish here. A lot of them are commercial. You know how on YouTube you get all of those things on the right side that pop up that are suggestions. Suggested videos. You know, there's your rabbit hole. How many people have gone and clicked on that and it led into God knows where? And, you know, so that's what happened with me with polyglots. It was very interesting. It was a lot of fun. I'm glad I did that. And that became one of your boring facts for your podcast. That's true. YouTube is designed for research holes. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. For but in a fun down. way. I don't have any problem with that. A lot of, you know, you're able to turn off that right side of suggestions. Right. Pe- people do. It's There's a trick to doing that, but I don't want to do that. I kind of like that. Yeah. 
Yeah. What about some of the others we've done? So we've done, let me take a look at my Google. Yeah, let me look. And a couple of these you, you decided not to do for, I don't know if you want to mention a couple of these, but (laughs) they are interesting to me. Why? Um, yeah, well, okay. The one on top, I don't, you see, you see the one I'm referring to. Yeah. So one of the things dad wanted to discuss was the JK Rowling controversy. And I just, it was a thing that was new to him, right? Yes. Um, It was a thing that you just happened to stumble across. How did you stumble across it? Like maybe some article. Well, I got, after a couple of uh, facts from my head that I would follow up on and post in this, in our library of facts, I started running out of things. And I said, okay, I'm going to try and find some current things that would be interesting to the podcast. Because you were coming back at me and say, Dad, that's fun, but it's kind of boring. You know, can you find something else? You know, so there's a little pressure on me. But for the (laughs) J.K. Rowling thing, that's okay. The J.K. Rowling thing is something that was going on at the time. And you're right. I didn't know about it. And I found it interesting. It kind of pertains to your culture and everything. And uh, But I get it that you didn't want to do it after you explained it to me. Yeah. Do you remember what I what I said to you? Like why I didn't want to do it? Well, I think you were pretty. There was an angry side to it, which I get. Yeah. And um, I I don't want to. I don't think I could rephrase the specifics of what you said. But you were pretty much. You know, this is not. Uh, you know, sh- I, I, you first of all it was very personal to you because you're the Harry Potter generation and you loved her and everything and. Uh, it's a it's a real shame to me, you know. I, not that I'm she she was stupid, you know. It was really dumb, what she said, and she continues on, you know. I'm sure a lot of people have dropped her and everything. You got the I was kind of leading to the cancel culture thing here, um, but for you, you'd have to state exactly why you didn't pick pick this up. Yeah, yeah. I think I I. What I was trying to express is that I didn't think, so people, I think people used this as an example of quote unquote cancel culture, but I think what I was trying to say is I don't think it's, like to me the idea of cancel culture is someone says one stupid thing and everyone's like, fuck you, I hate you, I'm never gonna read your books again or whatever. And for me, like, J.K. Rowling really doubled down. Like, she she said one thing, and then she said another thing, and then people came at her and she wrote a really long blog post restating her views. And I think I think her disdain for the trans community is like wrapped up in UK politics in a way that's really complicated so to me it's not so much an example of cancel culture as it is an example of someone with a really big platform who use their platform to exclude and it makes me really sad. Yeah, it makes me sad. That's a great explanation. I didn't uh, I didn't really frame it around cancel culture, but that was in my mind. And you're right. She's 
a lot of the cancer culture mistakes that we see are people who innocently do something and get the backlash and it's not fair. This isn't, this doesn't fit that. So you're right. I, I agree yeah. with you. I, and I agree with you that sometimes people do a stupid tweet and then they apologize, you know, and people are already like, the, the, the vitriolic reactions can be outsized, right, um, to what the actual tweet was. And it must it must be so hard. Yeah, I'm just interrupted you, which is my thing. I'm really sorry about that. It's okay. <laughs> Finish it up. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. I want to know what. you Well, to me, are. what it hit me as you were talking about this, and I think of we know I know a few very talented, famous people, and it must be really hard these days to be on social media as a famous person because shit, you gotta watch what you say, but. You also want to be able to comment on controversial things. There's yeah, that, because you're a human. Oh, it's, it must be so hard straddling that line. I have, I have, you know, I'm so glad I'm not in that world where to worry about what I say. You know, it's just, I mean, every, we're all in that world. But, I mean, to do it on social media, on Twitter, and you know. Yeah. Yeah, it must be very hard. But, I mean, yeah. I... If I were famous, which I I never will be, which is great, finally, I don't, know. I don't, I don't want it. Um, that flamingo, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the foodie flamingo, my picture book, or the picture book by Vanessa Howell, who is my alter ego, is out by the way. Get it? it it's great. It came out this week. It's got a lot of flamingos in it, making very funny faces. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think. I think if I were famous, I would not be on Twitter. I would just choose not to do it because yes. it's, a, it's a real minefield, man. And, like, there are other ways to express yourself. Like, there's not only Twitter. Um, I don't know. Twi personally, Twitter really stresses me out. Um, obviously, everyone does not share that stress, but, yeah. I'm glad you said that. I'm going to write that down. We have it recorded. You said I will not be on social media once I get famous. It's great. That's a real relief to me. You can hold me to that. Okay, so some of the other things we didn't do. Yes. So I don't want to talk in this episode about the Great British Baking Show scandal because I am saving that still. Oh, good. I'm saving that. Was that was fun. I just, I ask everyone if they have, I think it's better if you've seen the Great British yes. Baking Show. Um, so I'm just waiting for someone to come on who's seen that episode, and then we can talk about it. Right, and that was the problem with the Jeopardy one. Right. Because yeah. your wonderful friend Lori, I think it was, right? Yeah. She, you know, it, it was a good little thing about the Jeopardy host. I posted that as a fun fact. The it was really it's it is really interesting to see all of the people that aren't really competing but really want to do it and. Uh, then you have Dr. Oz, which is the controversial one and everything. But neither one of you watched Jeopardy. And uh, this, yeah, so it became a very boring uh, fun fun facts, I should know. Or I, I Yeah, I, I cut it pretty short. It was a lot longer, <laughs> but I, I listened back to it and I was like, oh, this is fucking boring. It's better <laughs> that they know, yes. Yeah, and that was a learning experience for me. But I do watch Jeopardy. I watch reruns. I just don't watch it live do you right. have you watched any of the new hosts yeah i've watched all me and uh your mom that's part of our routine 
every every night at almost every night at seven o'clock we'll turn on Jeopardy. Right now, the lady from the Today Show, Samantha, I don't know her name, so I'm, but she is she is the current uh, celebrity contestant. She's very good because she's a host. That's what she does anyway. Mm-hmm. But it's just fun. I don't know, and, and I like Jeopardy anyway, but I'm terrible at it. Mom is way better at it than I am. But it's a good old man mind sharpening uh, exercise. So, yeah, I'm all over that. Yeah, and LeVar Burton is coming. I can't wait for that. Oh, he'll be great. That'll be fun. I mean, he's the answer, right? He should definitely I hope it. so. I don't even need to see him. To, I agree. <laughs> but what's the um, the Big Bang um, Malik? What's her name? I... Mayim Bialik? Yes. Mayim Bialik, yeah. So you like, so did you have an opinion? Is there one you liked best? Well, only because I'm a sports fan. Uh-huh. Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback of the Packers, was a, the two weeks, and he was great. Really? It was, it was just weird seeing him up there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, every, all of the sports fans out there who aren't listening know that, you know, you think of Aaron Rodgers, you don't think of him. Hosting Jeopardy, he, he was really good. Yeah, especially it's fun. It's just fun Al- to see Alex all these people. Trebek, especially since Alex Trebek came off as like a like a very intellectual man. Yes. And Aaron, I don't know if Aaron comes off the same way. He might have a different vibe. Well, it's a weird role because you're not posturing up there. If if you are, you're not good at it. You're just hosting. Alex Quebec was charming, and yeah, he was smart, and he'd make a good joke here and there, very seldom. But that his he was a smart, charming guy, and um, he and was he charming. Be- I you're right that he. I mean, so a, a thing our family does when we're all together is watch Jeopardy, like as a family, because <laughs> we're all nerds, and right. I. I mean, a thing we always used to laugh at is Alex Trebek is, like, a little bit dismissive. Like, whenever he does. <laughs> like, he's yeah. a little bit snobby. Like, like whenever he does people's uh, fun facts about the contestants, like, people would say their random fun fact, and he'd be like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. And then he'd just move on. Like, he wasn't great at banter. It's funny. That is, that is the, the key part of the show. Everything else is you're just reading off the answers. But that little two-minute segment where they look, talk to each of the three contestants, he was very good at that. I get what I think. I don't know. I don't think he was uh, dismissive. But these other celebrities are good in different ways. You know, they're, they're celebrities, so they're able to make jokes. And Katie Couric was very good at that. She was one of the celebrity hosts. And yeah, she would throw I- back a joke and... Uh, yeah, he was he was Alex Trebek, man. He was Jeopardy. That's part of it. He was Jeopardy. Yeah, you know, that's that, the problem. I mean, I the question is, do you want to host He was like not a game show host, you know? Like Jeopardy had a gravitas that a, like he just wasn't a showy guy. He wasn't like, "Here's Jeopardy." Right. And yeah. do we want to host like that or do we go in a different direction? I don't know. Yeah, everyone wants Alex back, let's face it. So, yeah. Um, 
Ken Jennings was the obvious, you know, he's the ch ultimate champion of Jeopardy. And he was the first celebrity host. Right after Alex died, he took over that next week. How'd he do? And I thought he was great. But yeah. um, people, I don't know, people have their own perceptions of people, I think. And maybe, I don't know, it's just, it's really weird. So it's going to be interesting to see who the permanent host will be. That is going to be fascinating to see how they pick that out. Did you know the generations? Um, like beforehand? No, I did not know. And that's kind of why I put it there. The actual terminology. You have baby booners, Generation Jones. Which that I had right, never heard of. Had you? No. Because we, we were like, I guess that's who you are. Yeah, that's really interesting. Anyway, yeah, I pulled that. I, all of these, ter these terms... Of course, we know about millennials, etc. But um, Generation Alpha, born 2010 and after. I didn't know that was there. So I didn't yeah. know that either. Yeah, that's Lily. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we have a new dad. Dad is a new grandpa. We have a new. I have a new baby niece, and she is Generation Alpha. Lily Pageant, perfect, <laughs> Miss Perfect. The greatest generation. Like, was that a term used when you were a kid to describe your parents' generation? I don't think so. I think that was that's pretty recent. It came up later? Yes. Yeah. There are a couple of old-timers that wrote books, and, you know, it became a buzz term, right? The greatest generation. And I know a lot of the kids or the of the more recent generations were making fun of that terminology, saying, yeah, well, we don't have a war. So we can't, you know, how are we going to be the great, you know, there was that kind yeah. of thing. snobbery because there was a war during that time and backlash on that, which, uh, you know, I get, but it was, you know, quite a time to have lived, believe me. My, you know, your grandfather was, not only did you have the war, you had the depression, which yeah. was an, an incredible time. And uh, yeah, so it's, anyway, what no, I did not know of, that. What do you think of your generation? What do you think of the baby boomers? I think we were a very lucky generation, although, you know, a lot of us ran into the Vietnam War. I was, I was, uh, I enlisted and did four years, but I, I was lucky not to go to Vietnam. And most people, a lot of people weren't so lucky. Um, but, you know, don't forget, we had the Beatles. We had the incredible era of music and drugs and a whole new learning about sex and, you know, I wish I could go back in time and learn, you know, enjoy some of those times, you know, in a different way. <laughs> but <laughs> it was a fun, you know, looking back on it. And while you were in it, I think it's just like any generation, just like the kids today. You're living your life in whatever age you are and you've got, you know, whatever your culture is and everything. But I do believe that the baby boomers were very lucky. You know, we benefited from all of the work done with the generation before us, which got us out of the war, which got us out of the depression. They had all these babies. Technology was became different. Cars got cooler. And then all the music happened. Yeah. And the drugs. So right. it was, uh, it was um, I was very lucky, I think. To, I'm glad I lived through that. Um, what do you think of millennials? I think that each generation, you know, I don't, I'm going to sound sappy, but each generation has their their positives, right? 
I can't say, okay, the millennials, no, these kids suck because of this or because of that. I honestly don't look at things through the lens of generations. I don't think many people do. But when it comes up and then people are classified and then they put labels on those general, like the millennials or Gen X and stuff, you know, it's usually a negative label. So, yeah. I'm sorry, that's not a really good answer, but I no, I just, it's a good I answer. Just, it's I just a good answer. At, you know. I was I was setting you up a little bit yeah. because I think I think because uh, that's you. You're a millennial. Yeah, and I mean, I think first of all, there's stuff about millennials that I hate, <laughs> um, but also there's there's stuff that gets blamed on millennials a lot yes, that for sure. that I feel I feel is very unfair. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, it it just be I I realized I had never like actually asked you that question before. It's easy for old farts to say, well, when I was your age, and that is bullshit because you you know you cannot compare the two. It's so fucking boring. That's it is. you know that's how I feel about like talk about generations. Is it's like <laughs> I think the most interesting thing about it is that like people are coming from different contexts, right? So when yes. boomers say you should own your house by this age. They're coming from a context where it was a little easier to do that. Absolutely. Um, and yeah. and loans were not the same level and stuff like that. Also, you can't, it's like astrology. Like, you can't talk about groups that big and make generalizations about them. That's, that's bananas. Um, totally agree. Yes. Yeah. So it's only, I think it's only useful if you're talking about, like, a generational context, right? Labels are good for historical terms, right? Yeah, that's that's what it's all about. So you can say in the baby boomer years and people will know where you're talking about. But to make comparisons, et cetera, it's just kind of dumb. Yeah, it's silly. Yeah. Talk about a very exciting thing, which is our first listener email. Wow. Our first listener something I learned this week. So this is one you didn't have to do that you just get to react to with me. That's great. So I'm going to open it up and read it. This is from Katie Malski. Um, Hi, Val. I hope you're doing well this week. It's so cute that all the something you learned this week segments have been from your dad. <laughs> I, <laughs> I hate to break the streak, but I just started listening to the podcast and I have a couple. Did you know what was the first big city in human history? I have no fucking clue. I would guess something in Mesopotamia, maybe? Yeah, Constantinople, no idea. It was a place called Uruk, spelled U-R-U-K, built by the Sumerians in what's now Iraq. So the first big city in history is in modern-day Iraq. Huh. It was found. And what did. Go ahead. She says it was founded around 6,500 years ago, and people lived there for almost 5,000 years. Writing was invented uh. there, and it's the setting for the Epic of Gilgamesh. Historians don't know if the influence they exerted over the other cities in Mesopotamia was by force, cultural, or what, but Relic Uruk are found pretty much everywhere in the region. Speaking of which, Uruk is also the originator of the first mass-produced product, a bevel-rimmed bowl 
that was used to measure workers' pay and appears to have been single use based on the sheer number of them littering all of Mesopotamia. Used to measure workers' pay. So they must have been like coins, right? Coins only. Right, obviously they didn't have dollar bills. If it yeah, picture be. like a me- a measuring cup, right? Right, with it's like a scale marked off, etc. Yeah, huh. that's cool. Um, that is very interesting. I thought the section about Katie in- is way better than me at this. <laughs> no, it's just different You're stuff. Right. It's different stuff. There's no better. I thought the section about Inanna was interesting, especially how the myth of her stealing meth from Iridu associated with rural life and the primordial sea from which life sprang to Yoruk would have represented the struggle between rural and city life as the future of human civilization and the triumph of city life as a new dominant culture. I think she must be talking now about the Epic of Gilgamesh, which I I don't know anything about. Me, Me neither. Gilgamesh. Yeah. If you look up the photos of the ruins, keep in mind it's now an arid climate, but back then it was a semi-arid climate, 10 inches of rain per year. And between spring flooding and irrigation systems from rivers, the farmland surrounding the city would have been very lush and fertile. Wow. So the first big city ever, now we know. I definitely will be uh, falling down that research hole looking at that. Yeah, and I'll put a link to the show notes. Um, I will say Katie linked to a website, worldhistory.org. So I will link to that link that Katie provided. Um, so you could read about Uruk, Uruk yourself. Excellent. Yeah. Katie, thank you so much for emailing researchhole at podcast, researchholepodcast at gmail.com. Katie, thank you so much for researching. Fuck, I can't talk. Katie. That's all right. You've been talking for a long time. <laughs> Katie, thank you. Good job. Yeah, exactly. And anyone else, if you'd like to send us something you learned this week, just like Katie did, email me at researchholepodcast at gmail.com. I may read it in a future episode. Okay. Dad, this is the part where I usually say, where can people find you online? But I recently learned from a very from a very stressful time at an airport that you are untraceable. <laughs> That's true. People people and the TCA or TSA cannot find you. <laughs> they can't anywhere. find you online. I was like yes. Googling you frantically, like trying to find anything. Like even a Google image search picture, and I, I, know, I could not crazy. find anything. Um, so all, for all of the listeners, the millions of listeners, I lost my wallet when I was on a trip <laughs> with Valerie last week. And then very next day, we had to fly back to, um, to the East Coast, and I had to go through TSA. And it's the story, you know, this has been long enough, but that's, they needed to see something of me on the Internet. They couldn't find anything. Yeah. Which is kind of a good thing. I mean, I'm kind of impressed. I mean, yeah. I actually, I'm really impressed. Like, I, I feel like even your Facebook too. is just George Clooney's picture, right? Like, like, your picture is not on any of your social media accounts. No. 
No. I, I use George. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for getting me involved in this whole podcast thing. I'm very proud of you. It's wonderful. We all love it. Even if it is mostly the family listening, I'm sure it's going to explode. (laughs) Probably after this episode. Dude, probably, because this was just, you're a real celeb. (laughs) (laughs) And also, Dad, thank you. Thank you so much. You bet. You just listened to Research Hall. I'm Val Howlett. Our music is by Joey Howlett. And our logo is by Leah Felicity Lucci. Have a great summer, y'all. And we'll see you back in season two. That is, unless y'all get me some more reviews on Apple Podcasts. But uh, regardless, we'll see you in season two uh, starting in the first Monday of September. Goodbye for now.